Vanessa Garrison grew up in Seattle. And from the time that she was five years old, her mother began 15 years of struggle with an addiction with heroin. She spent eight of those years in prison. And during those formative years in Vanessa's life, when she needed that female leadership in her life, her aunt and her grandmother raised her, but it was a difficult time for this circle of ladies. And it's a difficult time for Vanessa as she dealt with this childhood trauma and pain and abandonment. She's missing her mother. And for all, all of these ladies in this circle, it was a time of depression and despair, sadness, loneliness. At the same time, just down the road in Sacramento, Morgan Dixon was growing up. She was the daughter of two parents who had grown up in the sharecropping communities of Oklahoma. They had had a difficult time of things there. One, one uh, parent had eight siblings. The other parent had ten siblings. And conditions were just so severe, so harsh, so spare for them that one of Morgan's grandmothers gave birth in an abandoned school bus at one point. And so in this tumultuous environment that Morgan's mother grew up in, she was part of the desegregation of her high school in 1958. This was the heritage of Vanessa Garrison and Morgan Dixon. And so when they met each other in college and they shared their stories, they began to recognize some things that weren't right in their lives, in their families' lives, and amongst black women like themselves. And so to deal with some of those unhealthy things in their lives, things including their physical health, they began to walk together in order to promote their health. In David Bornstein's article in the New York Times about the organization they eventually developed called Girl Trek, he writes that these feelings, pain, fear, and the emotional defenses they engender get passed on. For black women, and he quotes Morgan Dixon here, she says, our weight is a kind of layer. We are wearing protection because of the tumultuous environment that they find themselves in so much of the time. And so when she began walking regularly, Morgan, she found something was shifting inside. It was making an impact on her. And as the two walked together, they became more healthy in body and mind. And their activity and its foundation for relationship led to their success. It helped them to be successful in life. And they began to move beyond the negative feelings and unhealthy habits that had plagued generations in their families, but plagued black women throughout the United States. And Bornstein writes, after college, the two began successful careers. They said, we had good jobs and husbands, but it didn't feel good. Because so many of the women we knew weren't living the life we were living, Dixon recalled. We thought, how do we start helping the women we know come along on this journey with us? And being overweight was the outward manifestation of what we knew to be deeper themes. So thus was born Girl Trek, a movement that now has 58,000 ladies as part of it, where they've pledged to walk together and track their progress. And it's a great example of how walking alongside someone else 
is mutually beneficial and can lead to life-changing results. So last week, we began our new sermon series, This Versus That, and Pastor Steve gave us an overview, and we looked at this idea of how we can impact people's lives by sharing Jesus in the same ways that we see Jesus doing here in Luke 24. And so we're going to pick back up here at the beginning of this passage today. If we put this series into kind of one action step, if we just boil it down to what we're trying to accomplish, it's that we might be purposeful in establishing genuine relationships with the people around us. Be purposeful in establishing genuine relationships with the people around us. And incidentally, uh, if you've had an opportunity to download the app that Donnie told you about a few minutes ago, there are sermon notes in there, and you can track along, um, or you can critique how well I stay to the outline today. Um, but that's available in there as well in the app. But we're looking at Luke 24 today, and the, the first thing we want to observe out of these five things that Jesus does here in this Emmaus Road journey is that he walks with these disciples. He doesn't stand still. So we're going to look at the difference between walking and standing in the lives of the people around us. So we're in Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. And we'll take a quick look at these verses, and then we'll talk about them together. So Luke 24, 13 here. That very day, the day of Jesus' resurrection... Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So these disciples are just making their way along the Emmaus road, trying to process everything that's happened. And Jesus comes, jumps into the middle of their conversation, just kind of inserts himself right in there. And from our perspective, you know, with as much detail as Luke gives us, it looks kind of like a bold move here, doesn't it? He just kind of jumps right in there. And if you're a little bit introverted like I am, that's a pretty scary notion. Like, so this is what it means to share Jesus like Jesus? I just have to jump into the middle of conversations? That's troublesome for me. Well, I don't think that's exactly what's going on here. If you think about the scenario, you know, this road may be winding along through the hills, but Jesus is able to see these guys as he starts to get closer to them. I, I assume that he's coming up the road. He hasn't just come out of the rocks on the hillside, you know. Um, and as he approaches them, he's able to hear that they're having a conversation, I'm sure. He may have even gotten a few steps behind them, and then just kind of hung there before he moved up to where they were. So he can hear snippets of the conversation. He can tell, is this a a heartfelt confession that's going on here? Is there a private counseling session happening? Or is this just kind of water cooler conversation like, like it is? It's a public conversation, right? They're just talking about the things that have happened in full knowledge of everybody in Jerusalem. In fact, they're so astounded that he doesn't know what's been going on because it's so apparently widespread that the knowledge of these events. It kind of reminds me of that day, that Tuesday back in 2001, September 11th, when Melissa and I were doing ministry on the campus of the University of North Texas. And everybody was just 
shocked and amazed because planes had crashed into the Twin Towers and into the Pentagon in Pennsylvania. And they just needed to be together and to talk about it and to ask questions. You know anybody in Manhattan? Uh, where were you when you first heard about things this morning? Have you seen any of the video yet? They just want to process it. And Jesus knows this about human psychology. He knows that this is a conversation that he's welcome to insert himself into. It's not, it's not going to be a shock to them. They're not going to think that he's um, intruding by coming into this conversation. And, and there's another aspect of Jesus' wisdom here and, and what, he's, what he knows to be the case. The passage tells us that this is a seven-mile journey to Emmaus. And so Jesus knows that he has a captive audience here. It's going to take a few hours, probably, to make this trek. We don't know exactly where he joins up with them, but probably fairly near to Jerusalem. And not, not only is it a long walk, but it's also, a, there's some terrain. Uh, so you can see here, you know, you're going across some mountains, uh, some hills here in the area. There's probably about a 1,000-foot change in elevation as you go down from Jerusalem and then have to go back up to Emmaus. So it's going to be a little bit of a journey for them together. And so Jesus knows that they're going to have an opportunity to relate some, and they're, they're going to experience a little bit of life together. And so we just see his wisdom, his, his ability to perceive an opportunity here. And so that's our first lesson today. The first principle for us to take away from this is that we need to scope out opportunities where we can walk alongside of people in the journeys that they're on. We just need to have eyes and ears open and ready for these opportunities where we're just going to be able to move right along into what's already happening. And another principle of Jesus' life that we see here is that he always finds a way to be where the people are. That's a hallmark of his ministry because his ministry is about people. So he finds a way to be where people are. And in order to do that, he has to be mobile. If he's standing still, then he can't go to where the people are. He's just got to, it's just chance, whoever happens to come across his path. No, he, he makes an effort to be amongst people. And that idea of being mobile is a basic relationship of care for others and a, a basic idea of developing relationship with people, is being able to be mobile. If you think of a shepherd, the shepherd cares for his flock, for his sheep. He has to be mobile. He has to be able to move with that flock. He has to be able to uh, lead them sometimes to a better place than where they are. If they just stay in one place, they're just going to munch all that vegetation down until it's bare earth. And uh, they've got to move to where there's water periodically so they don't, they don't get dehydrated, right? So Jesus is the good shepherd. And he sees two of his flock wounded here. They're, they're reeling. They're struggling after they've seen their Savior, their Messiah, crucified. They don't, they don't know what in the world's happening. And Jesus comes and, to, and he checks on them in this moment of need. And similarly, we've been called as shepherds to the people around us. This is part of our role, part of our privilege as the people of God. He's put us into the lives of the people around us, to help shepherd them into the greener pastures of a life of faith in Jesus and away from that bare, dusty, 
ground of self-gratifying sin. So we have this opportunity to care for people. It's, it's important for us to be mobile, that we can shepherd people. It's basic for our opportunity to care for people and to help them build trust in us and ultimately build trust in Jesus. So if you think also of a parent, it's Father's Day, right? Great video earlier, kind of got me a little misty-eyed there. But when you're taking care of your kids, you've, you've got to be mobile. I think of Donnie and Amanda here and their little squealer, Braley. You know, right now, she's not, she's not super mobile, but they have to be. Like, if she wants something, they're at her beck and call, right? And so it'll be that way for a few months here, and then she will get mobile as this nurture, as this care helps her muscles to grow and her coordination begins to develop, and she's going to start to move around. They've got to be super vigilant and mobile because she's going to want to go explore everything and most of it with her mouth. And so in order to make sure that she makes it, <laughs> Donnie and Amanda are going to have to be there guarding and protecting and watching and instructing and pointing her in the right direction and putting up the right kind of barriers for her. It's part of the care and relationship building that they have with her. And she's going to learn to trust them because she knows that, that they are protecting her and, the, and they provide valuable leadership for her. But even, even more important, and again, we saw it depicted so well in the video, if you're not mobile with your kid like that, if you don't get down on their level, which is something that dads are so good at doing. In fact, we, we take a lot of heat sometimes for some of the boneheaded things we do. Uh, you'll miss out on the kids' lives, right? If you can't be mobile, if you can't go where they are and do the things that they're excited about with them, you're going to miss out on some of the greatest moments in their lives. And it's the same way with the people around us. We need to be mobile in order to care for, to be involved in, to participate in the lives of people around us in the way that God does with us as a, as a good father. So we, we need to become bold and skilled at walking alongside of people, just finding ways to join people on the journeys that they're on. And a beautiful thing about this is that when we walk alongside of others, it opens up a door for us to know them in, in such more complex, wide-ranging ways than we normally would if we just stood in one place. You think about the people that you know in, in just kind of one context, one venue, maybe somebody at work, like the only, the only time you ever see them is at work. And there's, there's this whole other world that, that represents their life and what they care about and what's important to them. I think of when you were a kid and the first time you saw one of your teachers in the store. Wasn't that mind-blowing? Like you didn't even recognize your teacher, did you? They're wearing jeans, like they're... They're having a normal conversation. You didn't even know that your teacher owned jeans. You just had this one-dimensional view of your teacher because you only ever saw the teacher in the classroom, right? No, when we walk alongside of people, then we get, we get into the classroom with them. We get to see them at church. We get to see them in their home. We get to see them on a ball field. And you see different aspects of people. None of us tries to be hypocritical, I don't believe, in, in the fact that we act one way at work and then we act a different way at church. But it's just the way the environment and the people who are around us kind of is how God's gifted us. So we can kind of shift a little bit in each of those 
environments in order to be most effective there, right? But if, if you don't get to see people in various environments like that, then you don't know the whole person. Well, so why is that important? Well, it's because the gospel changes the, all, the whole of our lives, right? It changes every aspect of our lives. And so if, if there are things that are behind closed doors in people's lives around us, then are those doors going to be closed to God as well? Those doors have to be wide open so the gospel can rush in there and change all that we are. That's what it means when you go from death to life. That's a whole change. If you leave part of, part of it out, there's not going to be change there. And so walking alongside of people allows us to gain access, to, to understand the, the beauty of the complexity of how God's created people. And it opens the door for him to work in all those areas in people's lives. And we can't have just one-dimensional relationships. So what does this all look like? What are some practical ways for us to walk alongside of people in our daily lives? Well, one simple idea is to go take a walk. Maybe, maybe some of you do this on a regular basis. You get out into the neighborhood and take a walk around the block, and that's good. Keep doing it, but do it with intentionality like Jesus did, where you're looking for opportunities. You see somebody down the street, and you're, you're just kind of watching. You don't want to be a creeper about it, right? But you just, hey, does that person look like they want to have a conversation, or did they just go run and hide in the garage when they saw that we were coming down the street? You know, and you, you can be savvy about how you engage there. Uh, but as you come up, get, you know, all those good relational things, smile, you know, make eye contact, say hi, and have a, a follow-up comment ready, even if it's just something like, hey, how are you handling the heat and humidity these days, you know? But just to engage with somebody and open the door where God can allow you to walk with somebody for a moment, and, and maybe you see the, the same people as you take those walks on a repeated basis, and that repetition starts to build relationship as you enter into the same rhythm as somebody else. So I encourage you, you know, it can be easy to be out on a walk and, and you see somebody and you think, oh man, that, that person just doesn't look like they're going to really want me to say hi to them. But I just encourage you, give, don't give yourself an out. Like, challenge yourself. I'm going to say hi to every person I see on this walk, no matter how deranged they look. Another idea, uh, just go out and sit on the steps of your house or on the porch. Gloria was, uh, shared something with our Bible study teachers a couple weeks ago about this movement she heard about called Front Yard People, and it's based around this idea of putting a turquoise picnic table out in your front yard. That was kind of how the whole thing started. And this woman, Kristen Schell, who began this movement, did this, because she just wanted to connect with people in her neighborhood, and she, was, she kept running into barriers. It was just hard. People would come home, they'd drive into the garage, shut the door, you never saw them. And she wanted those relationships that just happened so naturally generations ago, just those natural walking alongside relationships that happened in neighborhoods and communities. So she put this turquoise table out in her front yard, and people would walk by while she was sitting there, and they would say, why do you have a turquoise table in your yard? 
And she would say, because I wanted to meet people like you. Just honest, blunt, and right to the heart of the matter. And it was disarming. Those people then, oh, well, if that's what you want, well, let's get to know each other then. And they'd open up, and they started to share. And so this is, this is a nationwide movement. Now there are turquoise tables in, in lots of states throughout the country. Uh, they do a, like a weekly thing. Um, there, I think, in Austin, where she's based. But it became a great means for the neighbors to get to know each other just because she went outside and put herself in the place where people would be. We can do the same, just sitting on the steps, sitting on the porch. But maybe you're a little bit less mobile, and so that's, it's hard to get out and sit on the steps, and in this kind of heat, you're, not gonna, you're just not going to do that. I get that. We have a lot of great examples here in our church of people who have found ways to be mobile without having to physically get up and go anywhere. I, and I think, for me, the model of this, I've learned so much by watching our SALT class, our seniors, just in the way that you guys look after each other. You keep up with each other. You know what's going on in each other's lives, and you're praying for each other, and you're helping provide resources to take care of each other. It's inspiring to see. It's a beautiful picture of how the body of Christ is supposed to work with each other. And a lot of our faithful ladies send out cards to folks here in the church, to one another, to other people. And what a beautiful way to walk alongside of people. Just a few big moments throughout the year, right? On some birthdays and anniversaries, Christmas time, Easter. Just, just to drop in with a little sprinkle of love and care Think about for a minute if, if you were able to do something like that with some non-believing people, just to, to send a card every now and then. Now, I get it. It's a little, it would be a little bit weird. Like you meet somebody, maybe a cashier, and you strike up a little conversation. Uh, if it's not at Walmart, because you'd have to do this without 10 people in the line behind you. But, uh, oh, I just bashed Walmart. Sorry. Um, but, you know, you ask somebody, hey, I, I know this is a little bit of a weird request, but can I just have your address? Uh, why, why do you want my address? I don't really give that out. You're not going to ask me to join, like, some multi-level marketing scheme or something, are you? No, no, I, I just have this list of people that I send birthday cards to. Um, I love to do it, and I find that people just really like to get a card. So I'd love to send you a birthday card if you'd be willing. No problem if you're not. I mean, what do you think that person's going to say? I mean, they still may say no thank you, but they're probably not going to say it rudely. And if they, if they say yes to you, like, I don't know about you, but the conversations I have with cashiers, I rarely see those people again, or, or other people that I run into on a one-off basis like that. But what would it mean to that person if they got a birthday card from you a few months later, or a, an Easter card a few months later? I, I think it would communicate... You matter. I remember you. You're important. All, all that are important things for our culture to hear and to know about and that represent the love of our Father so well. So I love, I love that example um, of some of our folks here. And another, another thing, just thinking about how do we walk alongside of people in life. We have all these great mobile devices, Right? We told you about the app this morning. So much of what we do at church has become more mobile. You know, we have our podcast, so you can listen to the sermon even if you're not here. You can stay engaged, connected. We have our, our text giving, our online giving. 
um, so you can continue to worship God that way, even if you're not able to, hear, able to be here and give a, some cash or a check. But these mobile devices are so helpful because you, you can pick something, you can be driving along. It's actually, you shouldn't use it while you're driving. I would never do that myself. But you can be doing almost anything and have a conversation with somebody. And so my good friend Dave is somebody that I think he is a superstar at this walking alongside sort of thing. And one thing that I love that he does is he'll just randomly call me out of the blue and ask me questions. He'll ask me for advice, y'all. Do you like it when people ask you for advice? Does that make you feel kind of important? Now, I don't know if he's ever done anything I've advised him to do. Probably not, because I come up with some harebrained ideas. But, but just to, like, he's asked me stuff about camping gear. He's asked me stuff about relating to extended family members. It's just an opportunity to, to walk alongside for a minute. And he, he's opening up the door a little bit to his life. Hey, here's a question I have, like humility, teachability. I want to hear a perspective on this. And then it's flattering for me, like, oh, yeah, sure. I've, I have great things to tell you about this. You know, so think of the impact it would have if you identified people around you in your life and every person that you met or that you knew you just kind of made a mental note, like, that person's an expert in this area. If I ever have a question on that, I'm going to call that guy. When football season starts and I need a quick primer so I can be relevant to people who care about football, I'm going to call that guy. Think about what that would do in the relationship just to walk alongside of that person in that little area of passion and interest and, and knowledge for that person. Just another little way to connect with people, and it's as simple as using a smartphone, or you could actually have a real-life face-to-face conversation, too. Those still work, too. Um, so those are some ideas for us as individuals, but what about our life as a church? How do we, as a church, get up and go walk alongside of people? Think for a minute. Here in a week, we're going to launch our VBS, which is like as cool as anything we do here at our church. And we love it. Like, Pastor Brian's really improved and refined this thing, and it's good. Like, it's a lot of fun to be a part of it. It's good for our church, and it's good for the people who come in from outside our church. But think for a second, if we went and did this at City Park here in Portsmouth instead of here on our campus, it would look different. It, I don't think it would be as good as far as a production is concerned. Like, we could do it better here. But could you imagine all the people we might reach at City Park in four or five nights. There's people who are just out there for a good time together as a family, and that we'd get an opportunity to walk alongside of them, people who most likely will never end up on this campus, and people who maybe we would never have an opportunity to connect with otherwise. So that's an example of walking alongside people. It's just getting out and doing ministry outside like that. For, for several years here, we've had a basketball program here in the gym. My kids love it. I love it. It's been great. This past year, we had about 80 kids, uh, a lot of whom go to this church or other churches or Christian schools in the area. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I have kids who play soccer and baseball in Western Branch and in Churchland. And in those leagues, there are hundreds of kids, most of whom don't have any association with a Jesus-following community of faith. 
So think about the opportunity that lies there. And I kid you not, every season I get an email or multiple urgent emails saying, hey, we need coaches. We don't know if we'll be able to have a season if we don't get coaches. Like there's this need to get out there and to interact with these kids, this young generation that may not really get any Jesus-based input anywhere in their lives. And there's this opportunity, there's this need. Now, some of these families are super serious about sports stuff, y'all. In fact, Alex is missing a baseball game this morning. But look, we can recognize that that's not the most important thing in the world. But for those people, that's what, that's what they got, right? That's their church in a, in a respect. So unless we're there to talk with them and, and show them something different, then how are they going to see that there's something better that God's called them into? And I'll tell you, on the few occasions when we have had coaches on our teams who ascribe, or subscribe to Jesus and his ways and really demonstrate servant leadership there on the fields, you can see the difference. Not just because we agree with it, but you can see the other families appreciate people who love Jesus and lead out of that love for Jesus. It's just, it's just done with excellence. So there's a real opportunity to make an impact there just by us getting up and going and walking alongside those people, those families in an area that's important to them, that they care about, they're super committed to it rather than standing still and, and telling people to come to us. Another, another issue that we struggle with here at the church in 2019 is how do we get people, how do we make ourselves available for people on their schedules and in their rhythms? Generations ago, Sunday morning was sacred. There wasn't much else going on at this time. But these days... 10 o'clock on Sunday morning doesn't work for everybody. The one to three hours that we have available during the week when we have church programming doesn't work with people's schedules. They have other things going on. What if instead of telling people to come here one, one or two or three hours a week, we said, we, we took many versions of our church and we did, did some of the same great things that we do here this morning gather around God's word, we learn together, pray together, laugh together, and we dropped those mini versions down out within the community in a whole bunch of different places, which would be more convenient to get to, and at a whole bunch of different times throughout the week. So there's probably a time that's going to be available for somebody. In fact, if you know your neighbor down the street isn't available on a Sunday morning, well, maybe you can set a time when he is available and then you can invite him into your home, which is a far less intimidating environment to come into for somebody who doesn't know what the church is like. You realize that, right? That it's intimidating to come into this church. You don't know what's going to happen in here. Like, what kind of sacrifices are we going to do this week, you know? There's some, oh, that was supposed to be funny, guys. Come on. It's way less intimidating to come into somebody's living room and... Again, the idea of walking alongside. You get to, there's so much more that you learn about somebody by coming into a living room, right? You get to see the family pictures. You get to see what kind of art they have. Maybe, maybe you see they just have books in the living room. There's no TV there. Wow, that's weird. You know, it's just this walking alongside opportunity that we have rather than telling people come here once or twice a week. 
So I've just described small groups. I mean, that's the idea behind small groups is these mini versions of the church out there. Um, what we're doing here right now is not bad. Please don't misunderstand me. We need to do this together. This is important. This is what the Bible calls us to as the body of Christ. But for a lot of people who haven't grown up in the church, as many of us have, they need an intermediate step or a few intermediate steps where they can meet a few of us and realize we're normal out in a context they're more familiar with. So Jesus sees these disciples out here on the Emmaus Road, and he joins the conversation. He walks alongside of them. He matches his step to theirs on their journey. And because he does that, because he scopes out an opportunity that's just ripe for him to move into it, he gets an opportunity to share extensively with these folks about the truth of who God is, of who the Savior is, about himself. And when he does that, he brings the clarifying light of revelation to them. Eventually, they see him for who he is, and then he disappears. It's one of my favorite places in Scripture. It's so weird. Um, But in contrast to Jesus doing that, think about the disciples in Jerusalem. What are they doing in this same moment? You can see it in verse 33. They're huddled together, probably praying. They're all just in one place. And John 20, verse 19 tells us that they're afraid They're afraid because they wonder if they're next. They just saw their leader executed. And they're wondering if the Jews who did that to him are going to come get them next. They're huddled. They're afraid. They're in the safe house. They're hiding out. And they have no impact on anybody. Now, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm just observing that as they stand still in that one place huddled together, they have no impact for Jesus. Meanwhile, Jesus is out there walking amongst people where they're going, and he has this profound impact. What would it mean for us if we reshaped our lives around the Great Commission? If we would do like Jesus said, that we go, we walk, and make disciples of all nations. And incidentally, the the cool thing about America in 2019 is we don't have to go outside of our borders to make disciples of all nations today. Folks from other nations are right around the corner here. So it's super easy if we're willing to make the space in our lives, if we're willing to come alongside of others. And then as we see people learn about Jesus and realize that he is the greener pasture that they are destined to settle in, then we baptize them in the name of Jesus. And we teach them to grow into maturity to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. That's the Great Commission. And if we reshape our lives around it to be mobile, to get out and to be amongst people like Jesus was, what kind of impact would that have? How would people's perceptions of God's people and of his truth change if they saw us as people who were just relationally excellent, who were just there in your life? Like When I think of my dad... I think of the fact that he's always been there. Sometimes he's quiet. He's maddeningly quiet. And I talk too much, so we're a good pair. But my dad has always been there. I've never had to doubt his faithfulness. And he's done the same thing for my stepmom. He's done the same thing for my sister. He's been there. What if we had that kind of character and presence in the lives of people as God's people? 
as we just walk alongside of them? What kind of impact could we have in our community, in our neighborhoods? If we just stand still here at this church, on this property, we're going to have a pretty limited impact. Dylan, let me see that. Let me see what that impact looks like. Yeah, this is us in Hampton Roads. If we stand still, it's good, right? And then this, this is what it looks like if we go beyond our church. This is the impact we can have if we do this walking alongside thing. Again, what we're doing here together on this campus, it's good. It's good. It's just not everything that Jesus died for. It's not everything that each one of you has been created for. It's not everything that you've been saved for. Certainly not everything that we've been gifted for. This is where God's put us. Like This is our church in Hampton Roads. This is all of our people out here in all these places. Look how strategically scattered we are. Yeah, it's, it's clustered there in the center around our church, but then we should have a huge impact here in this in this neighborhood, right? It's exciting to think about how God can use us if we get out and walk amongst people. Imagine all of the influence that we could have in people's lives. The exciting thing about this for me is that for us to do this, for us to get into people's lives, for us to walk alongside of them, for us to be mobilized as a church, This is really the essence of Jesus' incarnation, of him coming to earth in flesh. This is what his life is all about. That he came here to be amongst the people whom he came to save. And he got down in the muck, and he, he pulls us out, and he cleans us off, and he equips us to do the same, to help people come out of a life of sin, and to receive his forgiveness, to trust in him and to know that Jesus is the only sacrifice that can set us free from the penalty, the power of sin in our lives, and that we can have new life just like he rose from the dead, and that we can have hope because of what he did. He came to earth amongst us. He put on human flesh and died in human flesh, bearing the penalty of all humanity in that human flesh order to save us. He has skin in the game. He's not sitting on the sidelines. He didn't stand still and leave us to our own devices. He walks amongst the people he came to save. And then he lives inside of us once he saves us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to walk in us as we go on in our lives in him. It's the essence of who God is. Walking versus standing. And he's called us to do the same. When we spend more time walking than standing, we, have, we share Jesus like Jesus did. And God's kingdom will grow. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you because you are the perfect Father. And in your grace and in your love, you sent your Son 
into the world, to walk amongst us, to walk alongside of us, to release us from the power, the penalty of sin in our lives. We just thank you again for your grace. God, I pray that you would help us to be like you. Pray that you would help us to see opportunities that are around us. To move boldly and lovingly into those opportunities. And God, that we just see people respond favorably to us. I pray that we would be able to make an impact in the lives of people around us, Lord God. That we would be able to express the wonder, the excellence of who you are and all that you've done. Our lives would reflect your mercy, your love. God, I pray that that would be our motive beyond anything else. That we would just love people with the same self-giving love with which you've loved us. So we thank you. Pray that you would send us out into our communities, God. That you would work in great ways. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.